On this week's show, we have Chris Vincent of V4 Wooden Floors. Chris discusses the past, the present and the future of the wood floor industry and many things in between. Don't forget to subscribe. Hope you enjoy the show. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, no, great. Thank you, Tom. So, always the big question this kicks this show off is who the guest is. So, who is Chris Vincent? Yeah, no, basically, I'm um, I'm one of the owners of V4 Wood Flooring, um, which is a, is a wood flooring company in the UK. Originally, Chris Vincent, myself, um, I wanted to be a racing driver. Right. And that's kind of what I dreamt of from when... Um, when I was a kid, really, you know, I started off doing go-karting and all sorts of things. Um, right. And then I went into single-seater racing. And and basically, you know, it becomes to a point when you need ever such a lot of money to go any further. And, you know, I was pretty good. Um, I had, you know, I had good days and bad days. I think maybe to make it, I needed to have more good days yeah. than the bad ones I had. But, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't bad at doing it at all. Um, okay. And that's kind of that that's what that's really what I dreamt of doing and that's what I did up until I was probably in my early 20s I would say something like that about 21 I stopped doing racing properly um and then I had to decide you know what to do and my family had always been involved in flooring and my granddad he started as a floor layer um for the Metropolitan Flooring Company which I think were in Barking so he was born in Barking at the time and um you know he used to do installing wood floors and and sanding and you know all sorts of stuff and as i say so it was a long long time ago that was back in 1935 right. um mm-hmm. and then my my dad got involved in it as well when he was like about i don't know 15 or 16 and he worked alongside my granddad um you know installing wooden floors and and my nan actually used to make the floors as well wow. in their garage um yeah, they used to make the flooring and make the panels. And then my granddad and dad used to go out and fit them. Um, so when, when I stopped racing, I'd always had, you know, a background in flooring and had an understanding of flooring. And basically it always been in my life. I'd grown up with it. Um, so it was, it was an obvious thing to go into. Um, so myself and my brother um, decided to set up, you know, V forward flooring. Okay. which as I say that was when I was in my early 20s that was back in 2002 um it's actually our 20th anniversary this year as well um which is you know obviously we're going to mark that with something later on in the year yeah um but we you know we'd, we'd always you'd always been involved in it so it's something I understood something we went into Woody's a big part of the family so you know we, we came up with the brand v4 um the v is basically to do with Vincent, because um, my surname being Vincent, four hasn't really got any massive meaning. I wish that I could say that it did. Um, <laughs> at some point, it was going to be called V2, but it ended up being called V4, because um, one of my friends at the time, um, which still is one of my friends, um, he thought four sounded better than two, so we ended up going with four. And that's kind of how the, the, the name started, as in V4. Um, and as a business, when we first, first started, we were distributing other people's brands um and we started with an austrian brand called styro parquet um which are based in graz in austria and we did you know we did really well with that we were with them probably like i don't know four or five years and we did good volumes and everything but then we started to want to 
you know develop our own our own products our own ranges uh, our own designs and that's when we we came up with the brand v4 and we work with you know different kind of factories and mills all over the world making products that we you know we basically wanted and and obviously what what we'd learned from from my dad and you know his dad as well my granddad and we kind of you know put it put it all together really and, yeah. and made it into a brand um you know all sorts of stuff at some points in the journey we've you know we, we had we had a finishing line and we were finishing products as well and you know all sorts of stuff um we've done and you know it's been it's been exciting and an interesting journey i think really so your father and granddad uh were they on the installation side they they weren't because obviously nan was in the in the garage making it but they were out fitting have you have you ever dabbled on a bit of fitting or have you always stayed on the, the supply side? Um I wish I could say I had done some fitting. I've done I've done bits and pieces, um, but I haven't done a massive amount. I never went out fitting for a couple of years or anything like that. Um but obviously I've learned off my dad and you know off my granddad as well through their experience, but I haven't got much on site experience myself. No. Um if, if that kind of makes sense. Always been su- su- supplying to to the trade. And as a business, obviously, we supply throughout the whole of the UK. And, you know, we've got some great people that we work with as well. Um, you know, really professional people, which is ultimately the way we like to do business. We like to sell the products through professionals, basically, that, that, that know what they're doing and, and, you know, can offer a good service locally to where they are, to people in that area that want, you know, want V4 wood flooring. One of the other questions, which I'm going to bring a bit forward, um, was, because you half answered it when you first started, was about the racing cars, because I'm sure I've seen somewhere a racing car with V4 written on the front, and that's what I was going to ask what, you know, at the moment, um, has, has that now, as the as the boyhood sort of dream continued? Is that why I've seen, I, I don't know why I've seen them, but maybe you could yeah, explain. You have seen it recently. Um, that was my son. That was my oldest son. Um, he started off go-karting. And then two years ago, he went into the Janetta Junior Championship, right? Um, which supports the British Touring Car Championship. So it's on, it's on a really, really good package. Um, and, you know, he, he did really, really well in it. Um, he won some rookie races. He led overall two or three times throughout the year. Um, but I don't know. It's, the problem is it's, it's all to do with budget and sponsorship. Um, and I've got the problem is I've got three kids in total. Yeah. He's my oldest one. He's um, 17 now. Right. And then I've got another two younger ones as well. And you need right. to be fair to all of them. And the problem with the racing, you know, obviously I was putting some money in. He he got some sponsors as well, you know, off of his own back, which was good. And but then the year comes to an end and then you have to find sponsors again to carry on. Right. Um, okay. He still liked to carry on racing. And that's still what he'd like to do. And, you know, he's still young as well. Um, but he, he does need he does need some sponsors. Um, if anyone's listening that would like yeah. to sponsor someone, obviously get in contact. But it's, it's yeah. difficult, yeah. It just takes up a lot of money, to be honest, racing. Is his other brothers, sisters, or are they following those steps? Is, are they into racing? Is it a full family of racing or, or just, just him? It was him, really. He's, he's the one that's always been interested in it. Um, the other two are interested in sort of different things really my daughter sort of really enjoys school that side that side of her life and the other son he really enjoys football um so he he kind of concentrates on that really 
Um, so they're all they're all kind of different, and I think I don't know. I was I was never brilliant at school. I wasn't brilliant at school. The time that I was there, I was I was quite you know pleased to leave when I did leave. To be honest, that makes two of us. That uh, absolutely makes two of us. So V four now um, as a company, what what's your main focus? You know, even this year or last year, I mean, we've had a challenging couple of years, but now you've built that up over the twenty years. How do you see V four in the market? now um i think we're you know i, th- I think we're we're in a strong we're in a strong position you know as a brand as i say it's all to do with i don't know the experience that we've had and i guess the people we work with as well you know the people we work with are unbelievable a lot of them and and you know if, if that's a factory that's producing something for us or it's one of our customers and we've just got a really really good group of people together um and you know we're, we're very lucky to have that i think um and i think it's just trying to develop that really you know those relationships and and you know work better with the people that we're working with and just try and grow grow the business as a whole how would you say if someone was listening to this um would be the best way to sort of form you know a, a winning team as such um in the in the flooring industry I think it, you know, I think it takes time because obviously, you know, over the years we've gone through, you know, a lot of different people and, and you know, they haven't been the right fit for the business. You know, I'm sure other businesses they work for. Yeah. Um, but you kind of get through those people and then, then you, you come to a team, which is the team we've got now. And, you know, it just it just works really well. You know, you know I was quite lucky, I guess, when, when V4 started um that you know i was still living at home and everything it was it was quite low risk i didn't have a massive amount of money to start v4 with you know when we did start it so i started with my brother and um you know we we started off it was it wasn't much at all we started off literally with probably i don't know five pallets of flooring or something like that and a lot of people will laugh because the first guy that we had on board as a rep was a guy called kush khan that's still with us now actually and um you know, when we first went out to market, you know, we just had like, a couple of pallets literally and we were showing them on a piece of string. You know, <laughs> we put holes through the boards and we went out and we were showing them on pieces of the string. And, you know, it started off, you know, really, really slow and it, it gradually built a momentum. And but as I say, you had the money going because I was living at home and everything. I wasn't it wasn't really a massive risk, if you know what I mean. At the time, no. it wasn't like a family and a big mortgage and lots of bills to pay and everything. There wasn't much risk in it at that point you know in my life and I think it was quite you know it was quite lucky and obviously to meet Kush at that point as well and you know he gave us a lot of advice and we got it out to the market and it it worked and you know we gradually built on it and then you know what it's like you you launch new ranges and the ranges grow then you bring a stand then you put a stand into accounts and it kind of evolves and just develops you know over time and you know, you keep reinvesting the money as well. So any money you make, you reinvest it back in the business again. And then it just grows and grows and grows. And, you know, that's kind of what we've we've always done. And, you know, the last place or the place we're in now that we moved into, um, we moved in there, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago now, I would say. And um, again, we've, you know, we've developed that. We were, you know, we, we were lucky at the time that we were able to buy that um we borrowed some money to buy it and um we've developed it over time as well so we've developed the site and we've rented parts of the site out and and then we obviously built our design showroom as well on the same site and then we built new warehousing and 
So most of the time, to be honest, we've always sort of reinvested back in the business again to try and make it better. I had a look. I had a quick sneaky look this morning, and uh, it's really impressive spot you've you've created. I like the the Google Map sort of look around the building. It's quite cool. So I, I yeah, found that, I found that quite interesting this morning. Uh, it certainly it doesn't. Uh, it looks really up to date. It looks like you've freshly done it in the uh, the ground floor. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know it's really good. Like the showroom, the showroom at the front of the design centre, that's been there for I don't know, probably coming up for two years now. I would say, but obviously because of COVID and stuff, it's it's probably only been open. I would say like half of that or yeah. something like that. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's again, it's a really really good tool. Um, we can use it for like training our customers. We can you know invite customers in. They can you know, invite their customers in there and, and, you know, show them like the whole range that we do. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of, it's a good area for the brand and just to promote all the different products that we do really. And, you know, to support the people that we supply. So what, what is your ideal client? Are you, are you more man in a van retailers or, you know, if you could a bit of everything or what, what is your ideal customers? I think, you know, they're obviously, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's obviously really important. Um, I think, you know, we've probably kind of, we obviously, our main customers are supplying, you know, retail shops um, that take our displays and, and, you know, sampling. And, you know, as I say, they're kind of all over the country. Um, but then obviously, you know, other markets we look at as well now is, is trying to get V4 products, you know, specified into, you know, architects and designers, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we've got our trade counter that supplies, you know, things like, you know, lacquers and, and oils and adhesives and, you know, all sorts of things, screeds that, you know, that, that is good for like the, the fitters and, you know, different kind of contractors um, that need the whole package really. So we try and, you know, we supply all, all different people in the trade basically. So along the journey of nearly 20 years um, or 20 years this year, um, what do you feel is the biggest mistake you've made? I think um, I don't know. There's no there's no kind of like you know mass, massive mistakes really that we've made. Um, I don't think you know me. I don't know personally. Um, there isn't a great deal to be honest that that, that I would have done. I would have done differently. Um, I guess you learn. You know, everyone makes everyone makes little mistakes. It's like we opened up a distribution place in Castle Donington. Okay, and. Um, it was it was okay and I think it, it worked quite well, but you know, we had that for like five years and if I'm honest, we thought by having it there, it, it would increase probably the coverage in that area and probably generate more business. But you know, it didn't really do that and so we ended up shutting that down. Um but we may look at opening another one in a different location or something. Um so we can still distribute into those areas easily, but maybe we need to go more towards manchester or something like that but you know that was something i guess we did that didn't it didn't work out um i guess the, you know the finishing line as well you know we started the finishing line and and you know they're very difficult to run as well um yeah. and you know you need to you know you need really really skilled people you know it's very easy to go and buy a finishing line you know anyone can do that but you need the right people on it that really really know what they're doing to get a quality product at the end of it that's and you right. know that's that that's the most important thing. And, and, you know, with the buildings that we had the finishing line in, you know, that was another, you know, big challenge for the business because that all burnt down as well. So we lost, 
that whole building. So that was like a real tough time as a business, you know, mentally, that was really, really tough. Um, what caused the fire? Lost, we don't know. It was, it was unknown really, to be honest, but the building was only like 10 months old. It was a brand new warehouse. Right. It was a 10,000 square foot warehouse that was 10 months old and, and it burnt down. So it was, yeah, it was a complete nightmare. And, you know, in our, in, in our yard, we've got two or three different warehouses, but, you know, it was one of the warehouses that had, you know, a lot of our stock. And, um, you know, obviously we had problems replacing that stock quickly. We couldn't, we couldn't get it produced as quickly as we'd have liked to have done. And we did let down some customers, um, yeah. that you, feel, you know, you feel bad about, but I think most of the customers that were with, you know, been with us quite a long time and they were quite understanding that, you know, there's nothing we could do really, but it burnt down. And obviously we'd sort out the situation as quickly as we could and, and get back on our feet with, with the stock and everything. But it's just, it's just one of those things I think really, but that, you know, that, that was, that was a tough time to be honest that we had to go through. Do you and your brother do the buy-in of, of the wood or is it just one of you or who, who chooses what to buy? I think it's, yeah, it's kind of all, oh, to be honest with you, early on, obviously it was us two, um, but now it's kind of like a group effort okay. um, where we kind of, we all get involved in it. Um, and, and it's just obviously finding out what trends there are, what kind of finishes we can do. Um, we do a lot of developing of products on site as well. It's like we've got kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a lab sort of area, which we develop and play around with colours. So we develop stuff that we want. And, you know, obviously we, we can, we can color match for people and, and all sorts of stuff as well. Um, so we've got a couple of people that work for us that are, are into that sort of thing. Um, you know, they quite enjoy it, okay. but when we pick like new, new ranges and stuff, it's, it really is like a group thing, to be honest. We sometimes even do it like a vote on it and, and bring lots of people in and, and just try and get a real feel of what people want and what people are asking for in the market and everything. And, and obviously try and get a product like that. And if we can improve it as well, you know, get a similar a similar look, but maybe a better finish that's more robust or something like that. Have you ever bought like a large quantity of timber and you're all completely sort of focused on it being the next thing and it's completely flopped? Or have you, has that not happened? Um, I, th- I think the thing, that's, the thing that sometimes happens um is if trends change and things like that and you can be committed into stock and you've got a lot of stock and suddenly for whatever reason that particular color starts to slow down um and then that that can be quite difficult i think you know when you're talking about colors it's it's fine with like natural oak and things like that but but colors you've got to be quite careful that you you sometimes don't maybe get stuck with them if it does change or the fashions change um, you've always got the, the, the kind of basic colours that are always going to sell, but these more like niche colours, I guess I'm talking about, that, that do kind of come and go, really. I think, you know, you do need to be a little bit careful um, with that sort of thing. In the flooring industry right now, where do you think the biggest challenge is in, in generalisation? doesn't have to be with your business, but, you know, do you think there's out there uh, something that could be solved quite easily or it might be an ongoing thing? I don't know. There's like this. Yeah. There's obviously like lots of lots of different kind of different challenges, really. Um, but I think, you know, for us, it's it's really obviously at the at the moment at this point in time, pricing is quite quite difficult and is is a real challenge to be honest, um, because pricing is just all over the place with plywood and Absolutely. and oak and 
shipping costs and I would say that's 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 quite a big challenge at the moment um but I think I guess in a way we're lucky because I think every industry or anyone you talk to is is in the same position so I think most customers understand yeah. um you know what what we're going through and we're kind of doing the best we're doing the best we can um but it's just yeah I suppose it's just like a stability it'd be nice if the market was more stable at the moment yeah I would say we've been quite used to it just creeping up a little bit every so often and then I think with covid um it's it's just gone a bit bananas really um first plywood and then plywood settled down and then now oaks on the rise yeah, so, yeah. It's all over the place. And just, you know, silly things like cardboard boxes have gone up as well. Like we've had increases on that sort of stuff because the boxing's a lot more money yeah. um what it used to be. So I think, yeah, at, at the moment that that's kind of the challenge. Um and I think just trying to I don't know, I almost feel like with 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 flooring a lot of the time, a lot of the companies should almost come together and yeah. try and promote the use of wood against maybe other materials. Um, I know we're kind of all competing against each other sometimes, but it's almost like we all need to come together and actually kind of create a group that just promotes the use of wood and, and using wood in a sustainable way as well and in a good way because it is a good product to use and, you know, it's a healthy product generally to live with. Um, and I think, you know, it's done in the right way as well. And I think, you know, all of that side of it, you know, needs to be, you know, promoted, you know, against some other floorings that, that are obviously based on you know other stuff like oils or plastics or whatever i think i think wood is a is a good product to be honest and it needs to be promoted more in the market yeah no i mean that's i completely uh, get that i mean that's one of the reasons we started this podcast was to bring the wood flooring community together um so everyone can have the say everyone can sort of air out different things and it's not just one subject, but all all of the wood floor specialists, from manufacturers to the guys on the ground fitting, uh, the retailers can all listen to this and hopefully get something from it along the route. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think I think it's a really good idea, and you know, obviously as a company, we we speak to other companies, and 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 to be honest, a lot of our competition we actually get on quite well with, and we do actually meet up with them. But it would be nice to have you know more people involved. I think really, um, just it's just good for the industry. I think really, and you know, obviously what you're doing with the podcast is is a good thing as well. Yeah, no, I think it'll get the right people together, and hopefully everyone will get something from it. So as as the company's grown, I mean, you you said you've you've bought the building and other premises near it, etc., but. Is that the biggest investment you've made or how else have you, you know, really sort of what, what's, or even what's the biggest check you've signed to make the business grow? I don't need to know the amount if you don't want to come say it, but you know, what is the biggest investment you've made to expand V4? It's, it's nothing really. It's just, it's just an ongoing, it's just an ongoing investment on, yeah. you know, on, on development and, you know, point of sale and all that sort of stuff, really. It's, it's just, it's an ongoing thing um at the moment we're doing a lot of updates um like the first part of this year so at yep. the moment we're, we're spending ever such a lot of money on sampling and and use you know displays um you know to get out into the market so it's just i don't know it's it's never ending i guess if you said like one thing you know building the v4 building that that was obviously that was that was expensive to do that yeah uh 
but you know it's just an ongoing investment really that we're kind of making all the time really so the probably even the sampling might outweigh that cost of the building if you times it by the the 20 years of sampling that you've invested yeah, easily. in so, yeah yeah <laughs> easily. So a yeah. lot of samples you'd be surprised the amount of sampling that we do and but you know you've got you've got to do the sampling but it's just yeah it's it's just so so expensive you know to do it um but it's it's just a part of it really it's a part of it obviously that you've got to do and how many solutions do you have for the current range of v4 because obviously you have toast rack stands or how many different offerings do you have um, for retailers to invest in to be honest with it's endless you know you'd be going into like a couple of hundred or something like that but but you know we cover you know we cover all bases really i would say you know with most products um you know from doing obviously like you know engineered flooring and you know in all different thicknesses and we're doing obviously herringbone we're, we're doing chevron and you know most of those products we carry a decent amount in stock as well um and then we do you know different laminates as well so we've got herringbone laminate we've got herringbone plank we've got all yeah all sorts of stuff really um i think we kind of cover you know most most bases um and at the moment we're really we've got a really good position on stock as well yeah um the best we've ever had to be honest right um we've we've got more stock than we've we've ever had at the moment um so i think you know we're in 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 strong position at the moment that's really good there's a lot of people that are massively struggling with stock at the moment firefighting all the time and pre-selling before it's either in the country or it's it's arrived so it arrives and it just goes straight back out or definitely yeah we've we've been situation for sure over the last year we've been in that situation but for the the end part of last year and obviously the first part of this year we've had you know we've had so much come in um of stock that yeah i think we've pretty much got every, everything in stock um i think at the moment that we're out of stock of like one or two products but they're due in i think next week okay. um so our stock levels are yeah it's, it's really really high at the moment so to do with the point of sale, what what point of sale do you offer um, your clients? What what's available for them to purchase or, or get involved with? It really, de- to be honest with you, it really depends what what they want, what sort of you know what their shop is, what their design is of their shop, and how you know how they want it to look like. Um, we can offer things like you know LED LED kind of stands like waterfall stands or or toast racks or anything really we've got like design tables as well like metal tables that some people have decided to take and you know then other people would just take boards and you know hang them up or you know some people might own brand it as well it's it's entirely up we can we can offer all different solutions for different people really it's really down to them what works best for them i think you know it's, it's their business at the end of the day well what we're going to do is we're going to go into the quick fire round which is if you can keep them as short and as sweet as possible um a couple of them i might ask you to expand on so mcdonald's or burger king chris um i go mcdonald's skiing or sunbathing um i like both to be honest it's a difficult one i probably have to toss a coin or something between the two <laughs> um wine or beer you do the skiing as well uh, i'm sunbathing sunbathing or oh, yeah I, I like the snow but if you had to give me the choice, I'm yeah. I'm on the yeah. sun lounger. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, beer or wine? 
I don't drink. Uh, well, don't. We'll, we'll go with uh, Coke or Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, go with Coke. Go with, um, I don't know, go with like Pepsi Max or something like that. I never got into it. I've got nothing against it, but I just didn't. When I was younger and racing, it just wasn't something I did at that age. And it's something that I've never really, I never really got into. Um, yeah, no, so I, I don't actually drink alcohol, to be honest. I'm I'm needy there. I, I drink on a, an occasional meal out and it'll be one and that'll be it or a toast at a wedding. It'll be one. So yeah, I'm completely with you there. I think there's a lot of benefits from doing that and mine is kept for a very special occasion and by special occasion, I mean, I want to, if that makes sense. That doesn't mean I have to be at a wedding. That could be a meal out with the kids, you know, and that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But yeah, and it, yeah, certain things, I guess. To be honest, I quite like, um, if I go skiing or whatever, the, um, what is it, glue vine? I don't mind like the hot wine, to be honest, ah, which yeah. is quite, quite a weird one. But no, gen- generally, I don't drink anything. So the next one, and it will probably go with your house on this, planks or herringbone in wood? Um, in my house, I've, mm-hmm. I've got a mix of both of them, really. I think, you know, I don't know. I think they both look nice. To be it just depends on areas, doesn't it? I think. Um, you had to choose I would one. Say in my house, I've, I've, my house at the moment, I've got more herringbone than plank. So say herringbone. And if you won ten million pound tonight, what would you spend it on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably give it to my wife. Or something. And, and, um, a, and, and a little bit to your son to uh, put him in yeah, ne- maybe, next season. Maybe I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd spend some money on the racing or whatever. I'd have, yeah, I'd give I'd probably give the kids something and yeah, he could do his racing and and then they'd have some money for when they're older or whatever. But but yeah, there's nothing to be honest, there's nothing really that I'm I really I really I really want to be honest. There's not anything massive. Would you not start back of, into racing? Yeah, I don't know. I might do a little bit. Um but the funny thing cup. is what's that? The Lamborghini Cup, maybe, or yeah, I wouldn't mind doing, yeah, do something like that, yeah. No, it'd be good. It would be good, yeah. No, definitely. And so that comes on to possibly this. Uh, what's your dream car? Um, a Ferrari F40. Love it, love it. It'd have to be in red. I think you can. Can you only get them in red? I think you can only get them in red. I think, yeah, I think so. I think they were made in red. I'm sure some people have wrapped them and stuff um, to change the colours, but. Yeah, I would definitely go Ferrari F40. That was like my dream car, to be honest. When I was when I was growing up, you know, 13 or 14 or whatever, I had all models of all different cars like that. And the F the F40 was my favourite car. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's the car I, I would get. I, I'm with you there. I would also have an Escort Cosworth. I'm on Ferrari F40 and an Escort Cosworth would have to be next to each other. So be a- it's a proper car, isn't it? It's a proper driver's car. You know, it's manual. It hasn't got any of the electronics or anything. And it would just, yeah, it would be... Actually saying that, I have driven an F40, funnily right. enough. Ah, um, and what was that like? It was it was really good. Um, it, was, it was fairly slow until the turbo came in. When the turbo came in, it suddenly went. Um, but I was lucky to drive it. It was actually, it was a trip that Bonakemi did to Italy. And we got to drive all different Ferraris on a tour. Wow. And... Um, we got to switch different cars and you could just, you know, there was like 10 different Ferraris, say, and you got to just pick whatever one you wanted to. So you, you go up to whoever was driving the F40 and say, well, can I drive that for this next sort of hour's run or whatever of the trip? Yeah. And um, yeah, so I got to drive one there, which was really, really good. But yeah, that that would be the car definitely that I would love to get. And 
probably with the hardest question on the podcast, uh, mash, roasties or chips? I think chips. Chips. Great. What's next for V4? What's what's the future hold? What's the plans? Um, I think, you know, just, just obviously, you know, keep keep doing what we're doing. Um, there isn't really, I don't know, I just want to be good at what we're doing, just focus on this really um, and just concentrate on just trying to evolve and, and just try and get better and, you know, have better products and develop products and support our customers better and all that sort of stuff. I haven't really, in my mind, there's no ambition to open up abroad or anything like that or in different countries or I think just concentrate you know on what we're doing in these markets you know in the UK and you know in Ireland and everything as well and just try and do as as good a job as we can really. So you don't ship anything outside of the UK everything's in this country? Someone wants to obviously obviously we will it's like we've got we've got quite a lot of wood going to Switzerland this week Um, but we're not going to actively look to set distribution points up in different countries or, no. or actually put displays in shops in different countries. And obviously if people want it, you know, we, we'll, we would supply it, you know, definitely. Yeah. Um, but we've got no plan, you know, up in America or anything like that. No. And what have you found to be your, your best selling products? So, you know, even the last two, two years. Herringbone's obviously really been in fashion, hasn't it? And that's, that's, that's obviously a big product for everyone at the moment. Um, but it's hard to say, you know, we've got so many different products. You couldn't sell one product. We do this amount because we we do quite well with all the products. Um, right. And if they don't do well, we tend to drop them out of the range. So all the products we do, you know, play like an important part in, in the amount that we, the volume that we move. So I would say they're, they're all important, but, but obviously, you know, Herringbone has, has definitely been quite strong recently. Yeah, and I hope that continues because it's, it's really... It also helps the wood floor specialists out there niche it because joiners and other timber-based you know, builders can give plank a go, but but the herringbone does make you stand out if you know how to fit it properly is what I found. So at least the flooring guys can get a premium for it so the retailers can make more money and the guys on the ground can make more money because there's a lot of people not fitting it correctly, um, which gives our industry a, a slight upper hand. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good point because it's, yeah, it's so annoying when people don't know what they're doing um, and they fit a product and, and, you know, it goes wrong and, and then they try and blame it on the products and, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's not the product and um, it, yeah, it would be good if there was more, I don't know, I guess there, there is quite a lot of training for wood flooring though, you know, out there, but it's just trying to get, I don't know, it's almost like, um it's almost like you need some kind of like license to become like a floor layer or something. I think they do it in Germany and Austria, to be honest. And you have to have a certain almost qualification to be a floor layer in the first place. So you do it to a certain standard. Um, because yeah, because some, yeah, some installations that you see are, are, you know, terrible really. And it's embarrassing. And I think, as you say, it's bad for the industry and the customer will blame the product and they won't probably buy wood again, but it was never the product's, fault in the first place and i think that can be really frustrating exactly i mean i overheard a conversation with my wife who runs the contracting side of one of our businesses and the the job was circa 10 grand and a guy was like your service seems exceptional your quoting's brilliant i really want to work with you but someone's come in at i think it was just under nine grand and yeah 
this guy wasn't that registered uh, was one thing. And then second of all, it actually transpired that this guy's putting this beautiful herringbone floor down and refused to take the skirting boards off. So beading on. And it's like, so you're putting this stunning thousands of pounds of herringbone down and it, and this guy said, oh, I still want it for the sort of nine grand. It's like, no, just, just no. Do, do it properly. It- <laughs> isn't it you need to do it properly you're spending a lot of money aren't you on products and it's got to be done right i think really there's no point cutting any corners i think you know it's silly to do that it is silly to do that definitely on the on the herringbone but you know i would agree that herringbone i hope it continues because i do like wide planks but i think the herringbone's really set off the wood flooring industry to sort of i mean it's about being about for years but the pre-finished has really moved things along how would the listeners contact either you or your team what's the best way to get in contact with v4 to email the team basically um which would be team at v4 woodflooring.co.uk um obviously you know i'm on linkedin and different things like that as well people can direct message me there or or whatever really um there's you know lots of different ways to contact us i think really and you know obviously we'd be more than happy to help and you know, we've got a sales team that covers the whole country and, you know, if anyone wants any more information and to be shown products or, or anything really, obviously, you know, just get in contact with us. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. That's excellent. Thanks, Tom. Thank Cheers. you very much. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.